Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come again this morning, Lord, to worship your name, your holy name, and to worship your Son, Jesus Christ, who is also holy, undefiled, innocent, and separate from sinners. And yet, Lord, it is this one whom you gave to be the propitiation for our sins by the offering of himself on the cross. And we come, Lord, to worship you and him by the preaching of your gospel. And even now, Lord, as we commemorate his death on the cross and his establishment of the new covenant in his blood, the covenant of grace, the covenant that saved us. And Lord, we are thankful for his faithfulness to work out our salvation this way. That for nothing that we bring, we have been declared righteous because of his finished work. And we pray that you cause the people to appropriate all this understanding for the sake of themselves, that they may know who they are in Christ and what he has accomplished for them, that they may have peace, that they may have an imperishable hope because of Christ Jesus. And now, Lord, we seek your understanding from the word. May you teach your people that they may see Christ and him crucified. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is going to be our communion sermon number 15. And it's going to be from the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. And I think... The majority of our Old Testament teaching is going to come from the book of Leviticus. You just can't help but love the book of Leviticus. Leviticus 14, 1 to 9. Leviticus 14, 1 to 9 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean beds, and cedar wood, and a scarlet string, and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bed in an earthenware vessel over running water. Verse 6. As for the live bed, he shall take it together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop, and shall dip them in the live bed in the blood of the bed that was slain over the running water. He shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the live bed go free over the open field. The one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe in water and be clean. Now afterward he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. It will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. 
the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord that you don't have to shave your eyebrows anymore. <laughs> the law of cleansing a leper. The law of cleansing a leper. And this is the Lord's table. And as always, we preach the gospel. And to preach the gospel is to preach Christ. And he's finished, complete, perfect, and most glorious work. His work as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. As the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. As a work in which he offered himself as both priest and sacrifice to God on behalf of his people who were sick with leprosy and condemned and were excluded from approaching God. And this gospel, God has been preaching from the beginning in various types and shadows, and we need to learn from these also that we may have a greater understanding of the glory of the work of Christ and what it means to us. Because if we don't understand the work of the gospel, we shall continue to be children in the faith who are tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of man, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming that is according to Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.14. So the Apostle is saying, you need to be grounded in the truth. Because being tossed here and there by waves means one is weightless with regards to the knowledge of truth and they are not properly anchored and so they get carried about anywhere and everywhere by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. So the Apostle Paul is saying there are actually men who are out there to deceive, to deceive others, and they may purposefully do it, or sometimes they may not even know that they are deceiving others because they have spirits in them that are speaking through them. And that is why Apostle John would say in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world and we can't see the spirits in them, but we can test them by hearing what they say. And we check what they say with what the Bible actually teaches. And so, a gospel that says Jesus Christ did not complete salvation is a gospel from a different spirit. It's a false gospel. Let us develop this understanding. As I was preparing this, I was thinking, well, you could do two, three sermons from these verses. 
But we, we need to develop the understanding. We have to. But if you just read what I read. And the Lord does not give you understanding of what he was teaching there. You won't get as much out of it. But once he starts giving you a lot of understanding from it. You realize there's not enough time to talk about it. There's just way too much. Just in those verses. Verses 1 to 9. Okay. So let, let us develop this story so that you may have understanding of how these instructions from God to Moses preach the gospel of grace. The book of Leviticus is a book of purification. The book of Leviticus is a book of purification and also is a book of how to approach God. God is holy. And God has tabernacled among the children of Israel. So holiness is in the midst of the children of Israel. And if they have to approach him right, they have to know the way to approach him. And so no one can just show up before him without following the way that he has to be approached. And he has to be approached only by the way that he has appointed. A way that is consistent with his holiness. So in the book of Leviticus, the Lord God teaches the children of Israel about uncleanliness and the need for purification. And unless a person sees that they are unclean, they have no need for purification. But to feel and to know that one is unclean is a work of God and not man. And so the Lord would say this in Leviticus 14, verses 54 to 57. He says, This is the law for any mark of leprosy, even for a scale, and for the leprous garment or house, and for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot, to teach them when they are unclean and when they are clean. This is the law of leprosy. So the purpose of this law, the purpose of the book of Leviticus is to teach men about holiness. Men do not know the difference between the clean and the unclean, the common and the holy, unless God teaches them. So the confusion that we see in our own day is because God has not taught men that they are unclean and that they need purification. Some in the church would say men are unclean, but not all the way. They claim that some are just wearing dirty pants, but their shirt is new. Some say they are clean because they smell good. But that's not God's understanding of cleanliness. The fall of man made all men born in Adam unclean and not potentially unclean. 
There's no island of cleanliness that is left in any who were born after Adam. We are all an unclean thing. And because of that, we have a huge problem when it comes to approaching a holy and righteous God. And so, in Leviticus 13, Leviticus 13, verses 1 to 3, Moses writes and says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. So the Lord God spoke to Moses here as the mediator between God and Israel and Aaron as the high priest of Israel and was teaching them about hygiene in the camp of Israel to prevent the outbreak and spread of disease, especially leprosy. You see, Moses and Aaron did not have Clorox (laughs) wipes to keep things clean. They did not go to medical school. But the methods of hygiene that the Lord gave them actually are applicable even to our day. They actually are way better. Because this is how the Lord managed all these things in their camp. But this was not a class on sanitation. This was about the gospel of grace and God's work in Christ Jesus in the purification of his people. So the instruction was, in verse 2, Leviticus 13, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes an infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. So the person who showed any of these signs and symptoms was to be brought not to Moses, but to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest for examination. Only Aaron and his sons could be high priests and their descendants. You had to be a descendant, a direct descendant of Aaron to be a priest. And this could not be violated. King Uzziah tried to violate this rule and got himself in trouble. Very much in big trouble. Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles 26. Second Chronicles 26 verses 16 21. But when he became strong, that is King Uzziah, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly 
and he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Then Azariah the priest entered after him, and with him eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. They opposed Uzziah the king and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and we have no honor from the Lord God. But Uzziah, with a censer in his hand for burning incense, was enraged. And while he was enraged with the priests, the leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the altar of incense. Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous on his forehead. And they hurried him out of there, and he himself also hastened to get out because the Lord had smitten him. King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And he lived in a separate house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So the king was not supposed to offer incense to the Lord. That was not the work of the king. This was work only appointed for the priests. But the king got too proud because the Lord had made him strong and prosperous. And he thought he could take things to another level. That is what happens always when people get prosperous. They think they did it by their own planning, by their own resources. So the Lord has given him much prosperity. He has defeated all his enemies. And he has made his country prosperous, his nation. So he's like, okay, I'm doing so good. I have to take things to another level. I'm going to go right into the temple of the Lord and offer incense myself. (laughs) And the Lord smote him. (laughs) God is very strict about his business. And how he has to be approached. But the issue here is approach. That is the issue of the gospel. The gospel is telling you about how to approach God. But men don't think so. Men think that they are going to approach God whichever way they want to approach him. But that's not the way of holiness. And many who reject the gospel of Christ are going to learn the hard way That the holiness of the Lord is an unquenchable and consuming fire. So when the person suspected of leprosy was brought to the priest, this is what happened. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body. I'm back to Leviticus 13, verse 3. That's what I'm reading. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body And if the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. 
So the priest was to make a close examination to see how the infection was growing and to make a diagnosis. And if the infection appeared to have gone deeper than the skin of his body, then the diagnosis was this is an infection of leprosy. And the priest had to pronounce that person unclean. Now fast forward to Leviticus 13 verses 45 and 46. Leviticus 13 verses 45 and 46. This is what became of a person who had been pronounced unclean. As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered and he shall cover his mustache and cry unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection, he is unclean. He shall live alone, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So the person's status immediately changed around the camp of Israel and before God. You can be following that. His clothes had to be torn and the hair of his head uncovered. And he was to cover his mouth and cry, unclean, unclean. For as long as he had the leprosy, this became his way of life. They were to remain unclean all the days of infection. And not only that, they had to be separated from the camp of Israel. They had to live alone and their dwelling had to be outside the camp of all the 12 tribes of Israel. So they were not just living alone in their own house. They had to leave their house and go outside the camp of the whole 12 tribes. And this is isolation. Okay, This is isolation and this is not good. So now we hear the cleansing of such a one who has been diagnosed as unclean. So we go back to Leviticus 14, verses 1 to 9, and we work that theology. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, so the priest had to go outside the camp. It's not the priest who took the leper with him outside. The priest went outside by himself. And the leper was brought outside by other people. So now if the leper had been healed, he was not just going to up and leave and come back to the camp. I remember the time that I had chicken pox. And I was in boarding school. It was a Thursday. And I had to be taken to the isolation unit. And I had to be there for five days by myself. And I also remember this very clearly because that weekend, there was going to be some very good action movie that I was showing at the school. 
And I was so heartbroken because I wasn't going to be able to come back and watch the movie. I could not come back lest I spread my infection. And I had to be removed from the camp of the school to some house that was also outside the main hospital but was under the care of the hospital. And I could not just get out of that place and go back to school even when I thought I was feeling good. The doctor had to come and inspect me and declare me clean. And then only would I be able to go back to school. And so the leper, after he had been healed, had to be brought to the priest. And pay attention to the words. The leper could not just go to the priest by himself, as I said earlier. But he had to be brought to the priest. And I'm going to be tying that theology later. Also, as I said, the priest was to go outside the camp too and meet with the unclean person outside the camp. And that has theological significance too. And the priest was to make an examination to see, this was another examination, to see if the infection of leprosy had been healed in the leper. If the priest determined that the person had been completely healed, he was to make atonement for him and pronounce him clean and set him free. Listen to verse 4 of Leviticus 14. Then the priest shall give orders to take two live, clean birds and cedarwood and scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedarwood and the scarlet string and the hyssop and shall dip them and the live bed in the blood of the bed that was slain over the running water. He shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the live bed go free over the open field. The person, after they had been pronounced clean, needed a sacrifice to be made on their behalf before they could be pronounced clean and free to be admitted back into the camp of Israel. And so the priest was to command and take two clean live birds and give orders to slay not both birds, but one of them in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the live bed, he was to take it with cedar wood, a scarlet string, and hyssop, and dip them together, and the clean live bed in the blood of the bed that was slain over running water. And the priest was to sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and pronounce him clean and let the live bed go free over the open field. That's good theology. And as to the man, the one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes 
shave off all his hair and bathe in water and be clean. Now afterward, he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. It will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. And so after seven days, the clean man shall clean himself in keeping with his new status of clean. And now to the gospel. (laughs) What are we to understand? What are all these things saying to us about the gospel? We are to understand about the way of holiness. The difference between the clean and the unclean. And how one gets clean before God. That is how one gets justified. And this was very purposeful teaching by the Lord. This is about sin and the effects of sin that is condemnation and separation from God and the way of reconciliation, the way of justification. When a man had leprosy or was suspected of having leprosy, he had to be taken to the person that God had appointed for examination. The person did not bring himself to the priest, but had to be brought to the priest. And if they came to the priest by themselves, God would kill them. God always kills people who don't follow his instructions. That's his only remedy. He kills you. The person was not brought to the prophet. Or to the king of Israel. But to the priest. The mediator between God and man. The one appointed for the purification of sins. Because the purification of sins is only the work of a priest. So they could not come to the priest by themselves. They had to be brought to the priest. Jesus Christ is the priest. And no one can come to the priest unless the Father draws them. You just don't show up to Christ. You have to be brought to the priest. You have to be drawn to the priest. So none can come to Christ. None of those who have leprosy can come to Christ the priest unless God draws them. It was taught in the old, it's taught in the new. Listen to this. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body, and if the hair in in the infection has turned white, and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. The priest is the one who had to examine the person and make a pronouncement of whether they were clean or unclean, whether they had leprosy or not. See, the priest had to 
inspect to see if the infection had gone deeper than the skin of his body. And then only was the person pronounced unclean. What is that saying? Leprosy was a type of sin, a picture of sin, and sin cannot be diagnosed by other men. For they do not know how deep it has gone, and that is why people fool themselves who think they can do the law because they are making a self-diagnosis of their own leprosy. You need one who is appointed by God to have and to make a proper diagnosis of your sin. And also to make a proper atonement for it. Because you see, if you come to me and I tell you that I, you are good, then I'm not going to make the proper atonement for it. Especially if your sin has gone deeper than I can see. You need technology that's deeper to see how far sin has gone. And only Jesus as God is able to make that diagnosis. So you see, sin is not in the external things that men do, but has gone deeper than the skin of the body. Men sin because they are sinners. Men sin because they are sinners. So all the outward crazy things that men do and approve of is because the leprosy has gone deeper than the surface of the skin. You can't just wash away your sin. The fall of Adam caused the spiritual darkness that is in all of his descendants. And unless the Lord brings such to the priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall remain in their uncleanness and outside the fellowship with God and with the people of God and outside the camp without any way to approach God. You see, when people are not coming to church, what that means is they are not fellowshipping with God. They are not fellowshipping with God. If you are not fellowshipping with the people of God, you are out of fellowship with God himself. And so the song that we sing, Dark the stain that soiled man's nature, long the distance that he fell, far removed from hope and heaven, into deep despair and hell. But there was a fountain opened, and the blood of God's own Son purifies the soul and reaches deeper than the stain is gone. That's what you want. So we sing in the refrain and say, Praise the Lord for full salvation. God still reigns upon his throne, and I know, you have to know, you have to know that the blood reaches and still reaches deeper than the stain has gone. You have to be conscious of the deep pollution because the consciousness of the deep pollution only happens by the work of the high priest. 
a lot of the sinners out there who don't hear this gospel are not conscious of the deep pollution. Sinners wander in the night, though they hear the shepherd calling, they still fear to face the light. But this is the blessed consolation that can melt the heart of stone, that sweet balm of Gilead reaches deeper than the stain has gone. So the blood of the Son of God reaches deeper than the leprosy has gone. Listen to this. Verse 5. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bed in an earthen vessel over running water. The first clean bed was slain in an earthen vessel over running water so that there was water and blood. Water and blood in the earthen vessel. And it is into this water and blood mixture that the other living clean bed was dipped and then set free. Hear this. Verse 6. As for the live bed, he shall take it together, that is the priest, with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop, and shall dip them in the live bed in the blood of the bed that was slain over the running water. Why? The blood and the running water. The bed was slain. And the bed's blood was collected in an earthen vessel. And then water was poured in there too. Right? And then the live bed was dipped into that mixture of blood and water. Why the blood and the running water? John 19.34 But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. 1 John 5.6 This is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ not with water only but with the water and with the blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And so the blood and the water represented the type of death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. These were fluids of cleansing. Fluids of a new birth. For no child is born without water and blood. You must be born again. And that is why Jesus, in John chapter 3, when he was teaching Nicodemus on the new birth, he took the conversation right to the cross. This is where the new birth was going to happen. And so, no child is born without water and blood. And for our new birth, our spiritual birth, the Lord Jesus Christ had to release water and blood but let us look closely again at the slaying of the bed it's gonna get good one bed was slain as a victim we have two beds bed one and bed two and the other bed lived and both beds 
have to be present at the offering if God is going to accept this transaction, this offering, and consider the person clean. Because the person who is pronouncing the leper as clean is not the priest. It's God himself. It's God who is pronouncing that the person is clean. The slain bed was the sacrifice whose blood was shed for the life of the person. And the bed that lived represented the person who was being cleansed. Listen to this. If leprosy is a type of infection by sin, then there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Why would God bring atonement through the death of a substitute if leprosy had nothing to do with a type of sin? Leprosy is a type of sin. And God is teaching that this is what has become of you because of sin and this is what has to happen if there has to be purification. So without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And the one for whom the blood was shed, if the blood was shed, then the one for whom the blood was shed has to be set free. They have to be set free. It's a requirement of God's holiness that if proper payment is made, you are free. He doesn't require anything from you. And so, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the sinless, clean, holy, innocent, undefiled Lamb of God shed his blood for the ones who had leprosy. And this blood was shed over running water and not stagnant water, but fresh, clean water. Because water is for cleansing and blood is for the payment of sins. So in the transaction on the cross, Jesus was not only paying for your sins, but he was also cleaning you. He was also cleaning you. The blood is for justification. We were justified by his blood on the cross. Listen to this. Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So the justification of those that Christ died for happened on the cross. We were justified on the cross. Not yesterday. You were justified on the cross. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. That's Colossians 1.20. So blood is for justification. It is for reconciliation. It is for propitiation. And that means it was for peace with God. It was for peace with God. So the transaction that gives peace is that which was done by the substitute. Not anything that you do. Not your repentance. <laughs> 
justification is only declared on the basis of what Christ did. Not on anything that he did. Nothing. So listen to this. What about the water? What about the water? Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is substitutionary language. So that he might sanctify her. So the sanctification of the church happened where? On the cross. Because it is on the cross that Jesus gave up himself. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So do you see the language of having no spot or wrinkle? That's the language of cleanliness. Washed clean on the cross. But that she would be holy and blameless. So the pronouncement that the church is holy and blameless was made on the cross. This is where the work was accomplished. So the water is for purification. The water is for sanctification. And that is the type of the washing of the believer by the death of Christ. The sanctification of the believer is in Christ. But is applied to the believer by the working of the Holy Spirit. So let us look at this story again. The live clean bird. Bird number two. The one that did not die. Was dipped into the blood that had water. This is the person who is in Christ. And this person is present at the time that the sacrifice was given. But how were you present at the time of the sacrifice when you were only going to show up 2,000 years later? You were there by union. You were there by union. Jesus had us with him when he went on the cross. He actually brought particular people with him to atone for. He did not make a general atonement, but a very specific one, and he accomplished atonement for these that he brought with him. Those that the Father gave to him. Listen to this. See that the clean live bed partook of the blessing of the bed that died without itself getting slain. It too was supposed to die just like the other bed that was slain. But it was only immersed into the death of the bed that died. You see that? The clean bed that lived did not die itself, but it was only immersed in the blood of the bed that was slain. It was united into the death of the slain clean bed so that the death of the other bed was reckoned to it. Was reckoned to it. As if it had died itself. 
That is the union of the believer with Christ and imputation of Christ's righteousness. The bed that lived became covered with the blood of the bed that died by dipping without itself dying. But it was reckoned. It was reckoned to it. And because of that reckoning, it lived. Because of that reckoning, it lived. And that was a picture of our baptism and our justification in Christ Jesus. Because when God sees you, you have not been slain, but he sees you carrying and being covered in the blood of the one who was slain. See that? And on the basis of the blood that you have been dipped into, God sets you free. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Listen to the teaching of baptism by Apostle Paul in Romans 6, 1 to 7, because this is also a picture of our baptism. It's a picture of our baptism in Christ. But remember the issue of baptism with respect to us, it's union. It's union with him. Apostle Paul says, what shall we say then? That's Romans 6, 1, 7. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? May it never be, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know, listen to that. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? The water baptism that we experience is a symbol of our actual immersion into the blood that is the death of Jesus Christ. Our real baptism was in Christ and it is the same Christ who immerses us into himself also by the baptism of, in, by the Holy Spirit. Remember the teaching of the baptism of, in, and by the Holy Spirit. The bed, even though it did not die, was baptized. It did not die, but it was baptized. It was immersed into the blood of the one that died. And so it too died without dying. It too died without dying as the believer died in Christ without himself or herself dying as Christ did. Therefore, Apostle Paul continues, we have been buried with him through baptism. You see the connection? We have been buried with him and yet we were not there. But he says we were buried with him through baptism, through our being dipped into his death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. 
the live bird was united to the death of the other bird. And so was the person who was cleansed. Whatever happened to both beds was for the sake of the person with leprosy. I need you to work that understanding. We'll connect it. They were united to each other by the dipping and the sprinkling of the blood of the one who died. The bed that lived was dipped in the blood. And the man who had leprosy was sprinkled with the same blood. So the death of the one bed became the only basis of their escape to freedom. It was the death of the one bed that became the only basis of their escape to freedom. As the high priest looked at the shed blood in the earthen vessel and looked at the blood sprinkled on the person and it was the same blood. And both bed and the person were set free. You see, both the bed and the person were set free. So what is happening there is the bed that lives is standing there on behalf of the person. So they are explaining, God uses that bed to explaining the theology of salvation. That's why it's there. Okay. So both are set free on account of the one that is slain. They have escaped condemnation. That is justification. That is justification. And so our hymn before the throne of God above would say, Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me as the high priest was satisfied to look at the blood that was in the earthen vessel and pardon him. The blood that was sprinkled on him. And so for your justification, God does not look at your uncleanness or your own obedience. You see, this is where men mess it up. They make it about themselves. But the transaction of salvation is all about the sacrifice. Your justification depends only on whether the right sacrifice that God has appointed has been given. And if it has died, God sees you as having died in it. And if God is satisfied with that, it's done. That's what the gospel is teaching. So God only looks to see if you have been dipped in the blood of the sacrifice that he commanded. The blood of his son. And on that basis alone, he grants your escape from judgment. So the death of a substitute always results in freedom. The death of a substitute always results in freedom from both sin and judgment just as the other bird was set free after being dipped in blood. Okay, tell me, how much repentance did the bird do? I'm I'm serious. How much money did the bird give to the church? (laughs) How much repentance? Because there's a teaching that Unless you have repented from all your sins, you can't be justified. 
And yet the teaching of the Bible is your justification is not in your repentance. Your justification is in the one who is slain. Slain. So you only repent because you are already justified. You only repent because you are justified. And the repentance is the coming to the realization of this very transaction. It's you coming to the knowledge that you are the one who had leprosy. But not only that, God has provided atonement for your leprosy. And when you come to that knowledge and understanding, that's repentance. That's repentance. Listen to it. The bed that died was clean. The bed that died was clean. And thus did not die for its own sin. As Christ was clean and did not die for his own sin, for he had none. The bed did not have leprosy. It is the man who had leprosy. The clean bed died because of imputation of sin. The sins of the man with leprosy were imputed to it. And that is the only reason why he died. God made it guilty of something that it did not have. And thus it died that he, the man, may live. And the fact that he lived was represented by the clean bed that was set free. Listen to this. The clean bed. I hope I'm, I'm going to get you guys to start loving birds. Get Brother Stan a cage. Oh, you need four. I was going to slay the two. Slay the one and set one free. (laughs) The clean bed that was set free represents the legal status of the unclean person before God. Can you hear that? The clean bed that was set free represents the legal status of the unclean person before God after atonement had been performed. After atonement had been performed. Because you could not bring a dirty bed and then make it clean. No, it had to come clean because the idea was to work the theology of what happens to a person after atonement has been done. So this person, after the work has been done and has been accepted, is going to be as clean and as free as that bed. And this was saying, because of the blood that was shed, the person for whom the bed was slain became as clean as the bed that died. Because remember, the bed that died was also clean. Just as we who were unclean became as clean as Jesus Christ, the one who was slain because his righteousness was imputed to us. So as far as God is concerned, when he looks at you, he sees you as clean. He sees Christ in you. The man with leprosy was unclean before the clean bed had died. But, After its death, he was pronounced clean by the priest. So there was a change of legal standing of the man before God. 
initially his leprosy condemned him as unclean and so he was going about crying out unclean unclean he was excluded from the camp of Israel but now now he does not need to hold his mouth again because his leprosy has been healed and its judgment has been lifted he is now justified and clean verse 7 he shall then sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the live bird go free over the open field the priest had to take the blood of the bird and sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from leprosy the one who had leprosy could not fit into the earthen vessel because there would not be enough blood for, from a bed to make a pool to dip him. Okay, you, you need to slay like a big beast to have enough blood to baptize someone in. Okay, so I, I think it was a practical matter to say, we're just going to sprinkle them. We're not going to be able to dip the whole person into this earthen vessel. Bad blood is not going to be a whole lot of blood, okay? <laughs> the one who had leprosy could not fit into the earthen vessel because there would not be enough blood from a bed to make a pool of it to dip him. But his full immersion was reckoned in the immersion of the other clean bed, and hence he was only sprinkled. And see that the man was sprinkled how many times? Seven times to show completion and perfection of this work of atonement. Completely, perfectly done and accepted. And we have to understand the flow of things here because some people will say, okay, this is teaching sprinkling. And they're saying, well, this is a legitimate way of doing baptism. We're just going to sprinkle you to become a Christian. That's not what they were saying. The sprinkling here was just a type of the actual dipping of the believer that it had already happened in the other bed. Okay? It had already, the actual dipping had already happened in the other bed. So the person was pronounced clean after he had been dipped baptized into the blood of the sacrifice through the dipping of the other bed. And as I said, that was our justification in Christ Jesus. The merits of the slain bed, the merits of the slain bed, the death of the slain bed. But you see, you're looking at the death also. The death of the slain bed was reckoned, was reckoned, that is imputed to the one who was being cleansed. So the slain bed thus died as a substitute for him. So our Lord Jesus Christ died in our place and we were justified by his blood, by his merits. His righteousness was imputed to us as our sins were imputed to him. Let's keep going. We are almost done. The live bed was set free at the death of the one that was in its likeness. See that? 
the live bed was set free at the death of the one that was in its likeness. And we were justified at the time of the death of the one who died in our place who was also in our likeness, but without sin. We were justified on the cross in Christ and in time we come and appropriate that justification by faith. God already pronounced us clean in Christ before we even showed up on earth. Because you see, if God does not pronounce us as clean on the cross, then we could not be pronounced clean at another time. But listen to this. The live bird was set free over the open field. Sounds like the scapegoat in Leviticus 16 that was set free on the day of atonement. Yes, the live bird was set free on account of the one that died. And that live bird was a picture and type of the believer who was set free because of the death of Christ. And so, Apostle John would say in Revelation 1, verse 4 to 5, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. I like to hear that. To him who loves us and set us free from our sins by his blood. And set us free. How? By his blood. So the believer was set free by the blood of Christ. And that's why Apostle Paul would say it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not be entangled again by or with a yoke of bondage, which is the law. So to be set free means to be justified. It means to be redeemed from every lawless deed that would have condemned you. To be set free means there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But hear this. The live bed was set free because it represented more than the person who was being cleansed. It also represented the bed that died, but lived. The two beds, they're both clean. One dies and one lives. The live bed was also a type of Christ. For it taught his own death and resurrection. For the sinner could not be pronounced clean and leave Christ dead. Christ could not remain dead. He had to be set free. So that bed was also a type of Christ. He too had to rise and come out clean as the bed that was set free. He was given over for our transgressions, but was raised for our justification. But hear this, verse 8. 
The one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe in water and be clean. Now afterward he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. It will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Very, very important. Do you see the progression of the work? There's a progression of the work. The person was pronounced unclean in Leviticus 13. And he was excluded from the community of Israel. When he was healed, there had to be a work of atonement to that effect. So the man was pronounced clean by the work of atonement. But there's this other thing that he's commanded to do, and yet he's already clean. He's already clean. He's already clean. (laughs) The one that had been cleansed washed himself and his clothes to reflect who he was already. He was washing his clothes not to remove the leprosy, but because he was already clean. So we too, believers, get baptized in Christ not to be clean, but because we have already been pronounced clean by the high priest. Jesus said, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. And once the high priest had pronounced this person clean, they were granted entrance and communion with not just the children of Israel, but with God himself. But hear this. The priest who went outside the camp of Israel to do the work of atonement was the Lord Jesus Christ too, who died outside the gates of Jerusalem. You see, when you read the Old Testament, Leviticus especially, when atonement is being made, it was made outside the gates. It could have started from the altar, but it finished outside. Hebrews 13, 12. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Suffered outside the gate. So that priest was Jesus Christ. He's the one who was working and teaching us the work of atonement. And those that are in Christ have been reconciled fully to God and can now approach him in peace. And this is the mystery of the law of purification. Of one who had leprosy, that we may know the difference between the clean and the unclean, and how to be set free from the condemnation of the leprosy of sin. And this was only by the death of a substitute, a clean substitute, the one that God appointed, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we were dipped. We were dipped into his blood and set free from sin and death and condemnation. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. Okay, so we have room for five more sermons. (laughs) 